I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I am Jody Whites, your business and life coach making your life more spectacular. And I am so pleased to announce my guest, Mac Ling. Hi, Mac. Hi, Jody. Good morning. How are you? I am fine. Mac is in Hong Kong, so it's evening for me. We're off on different wavelengths and time zones, which make make these podcasts even more interesting. All right. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Mac. Uh, Mac is a transformational life coach, a public speaker, and the founder of Coaching Collective, an executive coaching company developing leaders in Asia Pacific. His work revolves around helping his clients live with deeper authenticity so they can create a more meaningful and fulfilling life. By embracing our individuality and all of the good bad, weird, and ugly of ourselves. Only then can we break free from the limited models of success the world has created for us to fit ourselves into. Mac is based in Hong Kong and is a father to two young boys. Boy, I am so interested to hear how I can be bad and weird and whatever it is, but but still do great things in my life. <laughs> let's talk about it. I'm excited yeah, too. Yeah, let's chat. All right, Mac. Um, tell me a little bit about your background and how your journey led you to this moment of being the founder of Coaching Collective. I don't know if we have enough time for that today. <laughs> because there are too many stops to count. Uh, but I think... You know, if I, I highlight a few of the big moments, um, I think a lot of it actually started when I was a kid. Uh, and I was a kid that was labeled, you know, sensitive. And so I was quite emotive. I think I cried a lot. I think that's that's what it meant. It, I cried a lot on the playground. Uh, and and I think a lot of that emotion just didn't know where to go. And And I, you know, and that's something that's been, that's been carried with me now into my adulthood. And I think as an adult, I really understood how to, I don't know, use it and, and really yeah, make it part of me rather than this thing that, you know, people labeled me as. Um, and, and I think it took me ooh, 35 years to really oh start to figure God. out, you know, what are my gifts and, you know, what is it that I really bring that is different than other people? And when we get to that good, bad, weird, and ugly, my bad, weird, and ugly was, yeah, I was sensitive. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends. I couldn't connect with people because people thought that I, you know, like was feeling their stuff for them. I don't know, like, (laughs) and then they're like, there's this profession called a coach and you just get to sit and listen to people and reflect back to them. Some of the things (laughs) that they're, you know, happening with them and, and really be there and hold space for them. And I was like, wow. And they're going to pay me money to do this? Okay, okay, I'll, I'll give that a try. And, uh, so it, and it really sounds like this is your superpower. I mean, this is this is kind of 
who you were at a young age, being sensitive, being empathetic, I would imagine, and you know, choosing, yes, this is the perfect time for coaching. But what really turned that around? Because I know most people go through, you know, being sensitive, but but really holding it in or being odd or being eccentric and holding it in and, and just trying to fit in. What flipped that around for you? I think there are probably a couple of moments, but I think the ones that uh, like stand out right now I think I probably hit the bottom uh, somewhere in sophomore year of high school. Uh, was getting bullied a lot. Uh, I'd moved to a new school in that year, so I went from a place where I was bullied, you know, on a somewhat regular basis, to a place where I was bullied every day by mm. different, more like mean kids. Um, but it was also in that place where I started making some friends who liked me for me, and and that gave me some confidence to know, wow, like, okay, there is something here that people like about you. And, and I can use that to at least start thinking about who I am, what kind of friends I would like to have. And then when I went back to my old high school, uh, I decided I don't want to spend time with the people who were mean to me. I'm going to go and do a few new things. I'm going to go join the yearbook staff. Uh, I'm going to go and, you know, make some friends with some new kids who are nice to me. And I think that really was a big turning moment of having some agency to go and not have to be in the place where I was and I could actually create a different life. Right. Um, so it really sounds like you made a decision in your life that you're going to not waste time with people who don't value you, don't respect you, don't care for your well-being. My goodness, I'm sorry to hear about all the bullying. And you know, it, and you know, and you said, okay, I'm doing the things that really fill me up, and I'm hanging out with the people who are really help me see who I am and be stronger in the world because of it. Um, do you think it was just maturity level? Um, was it that, you know, you just decided to take a, a few chances with a few people and open the door a little bit to who you actually were? I think there were people who reached out to me, which I think made it <clears throat> easy at the at the, the sophomore year school um and so it showed me some caring sides uh, I and mean, it's not that all the people were mean to me during you know my growing up there were nice people but like the guy group that i hung out with was generally not very um supportive i think everybody's trying to figure out their voice um and so it is this combination that people can be reaching out to you and then we have to be able to see that they're reaching out to us. So I think that was a big piece. I probably didn't see a lot of the hands uh, at first. And then there is some internal decision of like, I'm going to go forward and, and start to take that first step, however scary it might be to, yeah, to open myself back up again and to let things happen. Um, I will say, you know, it definitely created a lot of challenges for dating, you know, over <laughs> years. And like, so I created a really interesting boundary of, I'll let you in to about here, I'm, you know, uh, gesturing to about six inches, you know, uh, in front of my face. <laughs> and anybody who got closer than six inches, I was like, oh, you're too close. And then I would push them away. Mm -hmm. um, so I 
terribly sorry to those, you know, people that I brought to <laughs> my life. And I was like, oh. I had this defense mechanism that I didn't even know about because that was, that was where I was comfortable bringing you to. And I wasn't really ready to have you just like fully in my space and mm -hmm. to know the real deep me. Um, so. Yeah. And, and thank you for being honest about that. Um, you know, relationships kind of bring out the, the more vulnerable side of us. And obviously, especially when we're young, we haven't even really figured out ourselves and the way we can communicate with, uh, you know, important people in our lives. So that's very common to hear about pushing back and really being closed off because there's no way that we can say, hey, when you do that, you know, I really don't like that. <clears throat> and my request is this. So, um, so moving forward and bravo for seeing those people because we can't make it alone. We need community. Um, you says in that I'm reading about you that you've launched five businesses in both Asia and the United States and, um, you know, built business models, go to market launch strategies, done digital marketing. So it sounds like things were going great in your sophomore year, you continue to grow. And then you just, you know, did one of the hardest things you can ever do. And that launch not one business, but five <laughs> businesses. Tell me a little bit about that. So uh, let's see. The first one was after I graduated from uh, from college, um, and my it's funny. My best friend and I uh, we were just sitting in our apartment, and there was an offer for free color laser printers on like I think the website was freecolorlaserprinter.com, and the whole gimmick was you can have this laser printer. And we'll give you as much black ink as you want. And you just have to buy color ink from us, which was, you know, part price at a premium. And so we're sitting there, we're like, well, we can just print stuff. Like, what can we print? Who wants black and white copies for free? <laughs> or that we can charge money for and we'll print right. black and white copies. Oh, nice. And so that was really the nucleus of our first business. Uh, and uh, it turned into, you know, a commercial printing company that lasted uh, 15 years. Goodness, that's great. Um, and, and I think what's interesting is, you know, what that taught me was, yeah, if you really, like, we all have assets that we can create things from. And I think our big thing was like, we needed to find a buyer of this stuff, right? So when we're thinking about, oh, who wants like regular printing, black and white, we're like churches. Mm. Churches need programs mm. printed every week. Mm. And that's where we started. And so we did a little bit of selling and all of a sudden we had our first client and we were printing every Friday night, like thousands of sheets of paper. <laughs> Getting ready for Sunday, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the deadline, you know, 10, 10 a.m. <laughs> pulling all nighters. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and, and so I think that gave me a really interesting taste of, wow, you can really just start something. Like it doesn't take a lot to start something. Um, because having gone to business school, then, you know, you were taught, well, you know, business plan, you have a marketing plan, you have to have this, you have that. And you're like, actually, we just need to like 
have something to sell somebody and then let's go see if they want to buy it. <laughs> you know, that is that is the hero's story of many, many entrepreneurs, you know, especially um, San Francisco techs, you know, let's just build it and they will come. And by and large, uh, a lot of the time that happens before they start seeking out VC money and things like that. But that that's great. Um, so after these businesses, I'm assuming you went from one business to another business. Um, you're on your last business. How did you know? I, I mean, do you still have these businesses or so you're shaking your head? Yes. Uh-huh. Actually, no, I don't have oh, any. You don't have any of the businesses anymore. The coaching company. Yeah. So the coaching okay. company is the only one that I'm still part of. Um, and you know what? I think what it has learned me is that, you know, these, like a lot of the businesses that, you know, we created, I don't know, they had, like timing is so important to how you, you know, bring things to life. And so sometimes you have this beautiful product and then nobody wants to buy it. So you're like, oh, so I actually haven't found the audience that is interested in this product and I don't have enough time to keep looking for them or else I'm going to go bankrupt. Sometimes your service just isn't that strong. So you're like, well, okay, maybe like we, it's not compelling enough. So, or it's too, it's priced wrong. So it feels like there's so many different factors. Um, You know, the most, we'll call it the most successful and largest failure was that we went out and raised two and a half million dollars. So we got, you know, uh, seed money, we built out a whole thing and then timing was off and we couldn't bring the product to life. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting journey, like understanding that, wow, it takes a lot of work and a lot of luck and a lot of just everything coming together to find success in that entrepreneur journey. And, um, and I did a lot of things along the way. So I had corporate jobs. Uh, and then over the last six years, seven years now, I've just been working as a coach. And then sometimes when there are projects that I find interesting, I will jump out and then spend, you know, I spent a year in 2017 building a basically like a different style of Angie's list uh, with my friend uh, Jack Mm -hmm. and, and we were about ready to launch and then COVID happened Mm. and which means nobody wants like handyman in their house. And we're like, Oh, 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 wow. Okay. We need to like put this on pause and eventually we just let it go. So Uh, it is definitely a roller coaster, um, and it is one that, I don't know, I think people go into feeling like, wow, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I think that when we start to temper expectations that actually when you look at the data, I think one out of a million make it, one out of, I don't know, 100,000 make it. I think it's, yeah, there's 40% of uh, first year and then it jumps to a higher rate at second year of entrepreneurs and business. So it is not easy, but, but what I'm loving hearing from you is you just went for it. You know, you said, let's try this product, let's build it, let's do the best we can and hope for the luck and hope for the timing without, you know, hope dragging your heels. So I'm, I'm really impressed with that. And I know our listeners, it, it, it really is a roller coaster, but if you can hang in there, you know, and 
uh, just go with go with the plan, go with the, the best plan that you have in the moment and the best action, I think you can get there. Um, going back to the coaching collective now, tell me a little bit about that. Who is who do you coach? And I want to get into the details of that of that program as well. Amazing. Um, so coaching collective, uh, I started with a couple of friends um, in 2015 uh, when I moved back to Hong Kong, and um, and the work has evolved. I would say over that uh, time. And I would say at this point in time, the work that I do and you know that I, some of the other coaches and I do uh, are really leaders in transition. So I think that's really where we have a strong uh, emphasis. Uh, and so these are if, like you're moving into a new role, uh, you're maybe moving out of a role, uh, high potentials who are like trying to make their climb up. Um, so I think those are really the areas of uh, you know individuals who we, we find um, just really the most satisfaction and, you know, value that we create for them. Yeah, tell me a little bit about, give me some characteristics and, or what have you dealt with? Who are leaders in transition? What are they feeling? Um, so a lot of it, let's see, there's a couple of like scenarios that come up. So first is like, you just got promoted. You are now in your new job. And you're like, I don't know. I hear a lot of oh, imposter syndrome. Like, how did how did I get here? Uh, why did they hire me? Like, when are they going to find me out? I think are some of the questions that I hear. Um, and and then there's also like the shift into like different types of work. And so it's like I used to be a really star individual contributor. Now I'm do managing people for the first time. Now I'm managing people like managers like or so i'm managing managers who manage other people for the first time and i think what i find is that a lot of times we do the work that we know how to do in the new role and so we would forget to take off that hat so we're like i used to manage people now i need to manage managers and if i manage my team of managers the same way that i managed my team of individual contributors I'm probably not going to succeed because their needs are different as managers. Sure. And yeah. so a lot of it asks us actually take off this old hat that we're wearing and to put on a new hat that we have to figure out like, what does this hat even look like? Will I look good in this new hat? And probably, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna feel very comfortable the first time I wear it. And so you, as a coach, you would know, like we need to spend some time envisioning like, what does that hat look like? What do I want it to look like? What do I need to be successful in this new role? And let's then start to design a mindset and a life so that I can be the person I need to be in this role and not the person that I was in the old role. Great. So it sounds like you're working with an individual who is facing uncertainty, uncertainty about who they are and and how they will be successful and what will change so um that that's a really important part of coaching because again game plans and action are great and visioning is imperative to really make that vision come true to to know whether or not they're living in the blueprint that you set up or not or maybe the blueprint needs to change 
Well, that's great. So tell me a little bit about um, your program, which is Radical Authenticity. We did say embracing the bad, strange, ugly, weird. <laughs> what What is that like? Because I'm sure executives need to really build on their strengths or else they would never have been promoted. There are strengths in there and how can they really show their strengths to their manager's team and company? Yeah. And this work came from so many of the conversations I was having with these leaders uh, and these individuals who I coached. And I found myself after a week, you know, a couple years ago, I guess. Wow, it's, uh, it's, been very, it's been a long time. And I was like, I'm having the same conversation with all of these people and they're all dealing with different problems. And so I started spending some time thinking about like, what is the commonality here? And, and it feels like, wow, like all of these people like want to live more authentic lives, but they don't know how to. Um, and everything out there is just, well, be more authentic. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Like, I, yeah. I'm already me. So what is being more authentic? mean? And so I spent some time thinking about like, well, maybe I can unpack some of these pieces and then we can talk about them in a more like step-by-step -step way. Um, and so the first step is really, do you know yourself? And so at the first stage, especially with my younger clients, it's like, do you know what you like? Do you know what you don't like? Do you know what you're good at? Uh, and some people don't know. They're like, well, I don't know. Like, I think I like this. You're like, oh, okay. So how do you spend time doing that? So I think journaling, uh, taking some personality assessments, like asking your friends, like, and I think being with people who know you is a big step there and you starting to get comfortable with like, okay, I know all of the things about me. Like I like red things. I hate black things, all this kind of stuff. And being able to sit with that and you don't have to tell anybody about it. Right. But that first step is like, do you know what makes you? That's probably the easier part. The second part is the embracing and the accepting of your good, bad, weird, and ugly. And I find this to be the most difficult part about it. Yes, I was gonna say an assessment journaling, asking buddies over a beer, no problem. But the acceptance, um, I want, I want, I'm, I'm waiting at the edge of my chair. All right, and and this is where I think the uniqueness comes from. And I've done some personal branding work with uh, with clients, and everybody's like, well, what's your unique selling proposition? And so you start thinking about marketing, you're like, I don't know. Well, I like, I'm a business leader. I get stuff done. I communicate well, you know, and people like me. You're like, okay, great. And I think we could hear that story from 50 other people. Mm -hmm. And so we need to start to understand what makes you, you. And that unfortunately shows up in the bad, weird, and ugly. <laughs> all right give me yes. more what how, right? do you, how do you deep dive in did all how this do we and... deep dive in there right yeah and the question really becomes so like let's say you're a i don't know uh, a project manager who like i don't know is amazing what they do right so you're good is like i'm very organized i'm very structured i can communicate really well uh and you know I get stuff done. So like, if you give me a project, I will get it done for you. I'm like, okay, and that's table stakes. So 
the weird, the bad, weird, and ugly starts to look like, well, uh, I have like a healthy dose of OCD <laughs> that I tell nobody about. I have a relentless relationship with time management that I tell nobody about. But that's the secret to my success. And I am, and I do the best that I can to spend, you know, Sunday, I do an hour of planning of like, what are my priorities? And I really spend the time to ensure that I use the time during my week in the most productive and efficient ways. So I don't waste a lot of time. And to, if you just told me that you were a great project manager, I would not have any understanding of how you do that. But once we start unpacking, oh, oh wow, you spend a lot of time thinking about structure and planning, and you like are really great at bringing or or like chaos to order in your mind. I'm like, oh, that is pretty weird. Like, I definitely don't spend that much time thinking about time. Mm -hmm. But this is the stuff that sets us apart. And this is stuff in interviews. If you start sharing about your, you know, passion for time and like time boxing, like me as a hirer or me as somebody who's like looking for somebody who will be like really great in my organization, I'm like, ah, I now understand how you tick and you're willing to tell me how you tick, mm -hmm. which makes you way more attractive than the black box that I have over here in this corner where everybody's just telling me the same story. Right. Right. And so much of that comes to that acceptance of like, am I willing to accept that I have this stuff about me so yeah. that I, in that third gift or third boxes, now you can share your unique gifts with the world because you come to some acceptance that I'm willing to talk about it with myself and I'm willing to talk about it with other people. So now the world can experience my genius. Great. And what about that ugly? What is that about? And so the good, bad, weird, and ugly, I think the weird and the ugly boxes uh, can be very strange for people. And uh, what I recommend you do is uh, just get a, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, cut into four, and you can put little good, bad, weird, and ugly. And this is part of the knowing yourself exercise. And you start writing, you're like, okay, well, like, what are all the good things that I think are good about me? And there's going to be some stuff in the bad box, which it's really funny because we make the judgment about what's good and what's bad. So sure do. Yeah. what you want to throw in what box. Uh, and then the weird and the ugly boxes sometimes get mushed together. But I would say there are some things about our personalities that are kind of weird. Like, uh, I don't know, like I love watching musicals. <laughs> and it also means that I have like, and I actually only like listening to instrumental music. So like songs with lyrics bother me. Interesting. And I don't like necessarily, I mean, you can ask my wife, she's like, you don't like hear the lyrics. I'm like, I hear no lyrics. <laughs> so the, the words just don't even go into my head, which is really interesting because I'm listening to the, to the actual music behind it. And for me, that weirdness, like nobody, until well, now the public knows about this. Uh, but <laughs> I've never shared that with anybody. And, but what it does and what I know about it is that actually I hear music as language. Mm. And so when I'm listening yeah. to music and lyrics, I can't listen to both because I'm actually listening to the, the language of the music. And so what 
I don't know what that creates for me. I mean, I find music very mathematical. I find it very calming and organizing for my brain. And so I've actually found music that yeah, really does a lot of work for me and creates a lot of space for me where that may not work for other people. Right. So uh, what I'm what I'm getting from all of this is where where you're able to take this person not only to help them see interesting parts of them and different parts, but you are creating a brand because this is the way people are going to remember that people, you know, Mac, Mac doesn't hear words. So, um, but it's really interesting. You know, he's, he's very creative and logical and mathematical and, but he just doesn't hear the words. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting when you put it in this framework that people are going to want to understand you and remember you and think of you as an interesting person. Yes, on the playground, when we're 10 and 12, it, it's all about power. It's all about, uh, you know, bullying and who rules. And But, but in an adult world, um, it's about getting to know people because this is the person you're going to work with. And this is the person who's going to lead you. And so shine at it, show it off. It's a really great way to get somebody to look at it differently that um, you've got gifts to share, share them and, um, and accept this part of you because it, it's interesting, it's kind of neat, kind of cool. Yeah, and I think that's where the coaching helps because sometimes it's hard to do those things for ourselves and to ask those questions to help us unpack this stuff, right? Because we're like, well, I don't know, I've just lived with it my whole life. Nobody told me it was different, um, you know? And so like, I have perfect pitch. And I just thought when in high school, I was like, well, can't everybody, you can't tell me <laughs> the name of that note. They're like, what are you talking about? And so until I had some awareness that it was different, it was just part of my existence. And I think that's where, when we can have somebody sit with us and help us unpack, okay, let's go to the ugly box. Like, let's start talking about what's, what's in that box with you. Let's do it in a safe space, like not going anywhere outside of this. And then we can make some decisions about do I, am I ready to share this with the world? Am I ready for me to even accept it for myself? And then finally, how do I integrate it into who I am so that I can feel more authentic? I'm not hiding as much and I can just be me and be more authentic. Authentic. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, you take this person, it, it, it's wonderful. Um, it's very hard to retrain the brain because you're so habitually thinking of these thoughts. Oh, you know, shut up. Don't say too much. Um, don't show too much of yourself to others. So how would you recommend retraining your brain to change habits? So... That's a great question. And we probably need more time for that. But <laughs> let's say the easy steps uh, and the way that I understand how our brain works is that the words that we use really shape our reality. And so there is a lot of self-talk that we all regulate, some better than others. 
on a daily basis. And so even the stories that I'm telling you, the stories you're telling me, you've probably heard those questions, heard those answers in your mind before. And so part of this is that we have to create new language in our brains for us. And a lot of this comes to self-belief, in my opinion. I think so many of us struggle with a lack of really healthy self-belief because we've been told that success or like being a good person looks like one, two, three, four, five people. So if you're not like those five people, then you're not doing a good job. And what we really need to hear is that, and this is hard for people to say, it's like, I love you just the way you are. Or like, you are enough, just as you are. And, you know, we say this to our son, like, hey, you had a great day being you. Like, yeah, and that's great. We don't hear that enough. And so we have to tell it to ourselves. And I think that part, if we can start to cultivate a practice of self love and self acceptance, and just really creating acceptance for like me today with my bed head and, <laughs> you know, and showing up like I am, then it becomes a lot easier to go outside and be in the world and have at least our own little fire of, hey, like I'm doing a great job today. I'm doing the best I can. And we don't, we aren't so dependent on other people to light our little fire for us. Yeah. So you're recommending that um, all of us, whether we're healthy or working on it or always working on it because this is life, <laughs> have a kind of a, a treasure chest of affirmations to remind ourselves that, hey, I'm, I've, I've had a great day, good, good on, good for being me. Um, and those affirmations can really make a huge difference. Is that right? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it, I, I sometimes I feel like it feels a little cheesy and people are like, oh, don't make me say affirmations. I'm like, well, what's your choice? Are you going <laughs> to keep listening to the like the little guy inside is like, you suck, you're not good enough. Or are you going to start to listen to somebody else that says, hey, like you did a great job today. And I like that. I think yeah. that's, the, that's the choice that I, I find we have to make. And I, I totally agree with you. And it, it feels awkward at first. Like, I'm doing a great job. And really? <laughs> oh, wait, where did that come from? <laughs> yes. So it's, I agree. And it, it's about practice because it's so easy to just drop back into that habit. And, and we have been raised so dependent on outward positivity you know we get it all from those around us and and if we don't get it we feel bad and we're not doing good enough um and it's great to just build that inner core that inner rich inner core call it what you want a spiritual life to really start thinking that we are great and even looking back on things that we have done to help people even one person to feel that, yes, I've got the tools or I'm gonna to build the tools and we can move forward. So that, that is great, yay. Yeah. Um, so what, you know, um, 
Asian, um, Hong Kong, are you getting clients from around the world? Are you working primarily with Asian clients? Is your, is your family, I know your, your, is your mom and dad in Asia? What, uh, what brought you to Hong Kong? Yeah, uh, so I'm from Los Angeles, if you uh, can tell. Uh, I have a very California, California accent. Uh, I've been told. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard totally yet, <laughs> or for sure. <laughs> and uh, and so I spent most of my you know adult or like early formative years in the U.S. and then I've only moved. Uh, I've been in Asia for the last uh, ooh, almost ten years. Um, but I would say primarily my clients are uh, like large multinational companies that have an Asia presence. So. Um, you know, companies who, you know, may have a, a team or a small team that sit in Hong Kong or Singapore um, or have some remote people. I think that's, uh, those are the types of companies that have found me most useful because I can bridge the gap between, uh, yeah, people who are American and, you know, who probably also made that jump to living in a, you know, Asia-based country and probably are struggling with some of the like integration questions of like, well, how am I supposed to live here? The values are so different, people are different. And I think that's where there's also some benefit of, you know, that, that bicultural perspective. Um, that, um, that's great. That's great. Uh, I, they, I know these large companies really help you. Um, I mean, you really help them understand both cultures, communication, um, you know, marketing, et cetera. So um, that is, that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, for listeners, um, what I'd like to have you do is, is give us a, a way that they can get in contact with you. If they can email you, they can speak to you, they can uh, you know, ask questions. So um, how would they do that? Uh, pretty simple. Uh, my email or my website is macling.com, M-A-C-L-I-N-G.com. Uh, and you can, uh, yeah, you can fill out the contact form there. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. And, you know, we can talk about the good, bad, weird, and ugly if you want to. Um, and because I, I really, I feel like the more of us that can live these authentic lives, then we can stop imitating other people. And I think that's really when we start to decide, oh, like I can actually be who I am and have the life that I want and live like this spectacular life because I designed it. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, when I, saw your podcast, I was like, this is perfect because this is my hope for people is that they can go out and break free from, you know, everything that the world is telling us and be like, have some confidence, be like, I can be me and I can live my life. Wonderful. I, I just love that because I think we all have our unique gifts and our unique way of being. And the more we can live in that world and share who we are, the happier we're going to be and the more service we can give to others. Yeah, spot on. Yeah. All right, Mac. Well, I want to thank you so very much for being on this podcast. I love these pearls of wisdom and um, I, I'm going to just um, sit with the uh, bad, weird, ugly, and good. <laughs> I, I put good good last because I need to sit more with ugly and weird first. So I love that. That's just great. Thanks Thank so much you, for being on this show. Thank you, Jody. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care.
Bye. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com.